0: I personally think that Vladimir Putin is the last of the of the Russian czars. Well, the Russian uh, invasion of Ukraine is now entering its beginning of its fourth month, I suppose. And uh, we're not going to be talking about the war in Ukraine. We've talked about that quite a bit, and I no doubt we'll talk about it some more. But today I want to talk about something related to that, but slightly different. Hi, everybody. I'm Bill Whittle here with Steve Green and Scott Ott. And gentlemen, today I'd like to talk about what a post Putin future might look like, uh, and I think the post Putin po- the post Putin fu- it's getting to be like a, a, a the kind of thing you do to train people with a stuttering problem. I think the post Putin Russia is going to be here much sooner than than some people may think. Uh, there is no question that the war in Ukraine has been a catastrophe for Russia. It's not only has it as it uh, in uh, instigated uh, applications for Finland and Sweden and NATO, which is. Terrible news for Russia, but it's humiliated them in the world, embarrassed them in the world, has done the one thing that a that a country like Russia simply cannot afford, and that is it has destroyed the illusion of intimidating strength that, that Russia has used as their main foreign policy implements. So in addition to this, Vladimir Putin is not looking well at all. He's gained a lot of weight. There's some tremors in his hands. Some people think maybe he has Parkinson's, reports that he's in for cancer treatments. The whole invasion of Ukraine makes a lot more sense if he was terminally ill when he made the decision. But I don't wanna talk about any of that other than to, to frame what I do wanna talk about. Uh, guys, I wanna talk about what what Russia, what, what you think Russia could look like and what you think it will look like. Because I don't think Vlad's much longer for the earth one way or another. Uh Steve, you know, Russia has has always lived in this in this twilight world because of its location and its enormous size. Part of it's in Asia and part of it's in Europe. Part of it is very Asiatic and, and secretive and closed and authoritarian and other parts of it are very Western European. And they've been this way since, at least since the beginning of the Romanov dynasty, 300, well, 400 years ago now, I guess. Yeah. And I, I wonder... Whether or not uh, after Putin is gone, Russia will decide to join the uh, the rest of the world all the way.
1: I, I've said for how long ago did the Soviet Union dissolve? 31 years. 31 yeah. years. Yeah. Uh, uh, Christmas Day, I believe, 1991. Um, I've said for 31 years now that I would love nothing better than to have Russia be a full part of Western civilization. Um, and I don't know that part of me fears that might not be possible, Bill, for the same reasons you were just talking about that's that sort of dual nature of this uh, of this amazing culture, this amazing people. Maybe they're always going to be neither fully uh, part of Asia or fully a part of Europe, but I think their 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 home, their real home belongs in Western civilization. The problem is how do you get from there to here? Um, it's It's not an easy road. Uh, I suppose the the two examples that do give me a bit of hope are uh, ironically enough both Asian countries uh, one is Taiwan and the other is South Korea and they have had remarkably similar political development over the last forty or fifty years um, Taiwan was a very authoritarian country it was it was founded by the Chinese nationalist government that fled the uh, the mainland after uh, after the communists took over mainland China um, the, no free elections one party rule up until uh, oh, wow, I want to say the 1980s. And I don't think a uh, um, a, a non-nationalist party won a national election until, until the 1990s. But we don't think of Taiwan anymore as this authoritarian one-party state. And we haven't for a long time because they developed these institutions that uh, we call Western, but I'd like to think of more broadly. I think they're just good, solid institutions for human life. We've seen them take root in Hong Kong up until the communists smashed that. And South Korea had a had a similar development. They had military governments, they had authoritarian presidents, the whole thing. But over the last 35 years or so, uh, South Korea has been an enormous political success and it has also been an enormous economic success. Um, the basket case that we used to fear that North Korea would just steamroll over in case of a war, what was the last time anybody thought of South Korea as a basket case that anybody would just roll over, particularly the the North Koreans? We even thought that in 25, 30 years now. Um, and that's because they had these—they developed these political and economic institutions that allowed for the peaceful devolution of power from those authoritarian figures to the people where where that power belongs where the people are sovereign can that happen in russia um yes but i suspect they've got some hard times ahead they had Two traumas to get over. The first was decades of communist rule, where after, even after the Soviet Union fell, you had you know your they. Had, I remember seeing interviews on the street, basically with the with the old babushkas who were still pining for Stalin. Forget you know bringing Gorbachev and Dropov back. They 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 wanted they wanted Stalin back. Um, And that transition did not go well, as everybody knows. Uh, Boris Yeltsin was kind of a a comical figure when when Russia really needed somebody who had had their act together. And of course, he was followed by somebody worse, because that's how those things tend to develop in the form of uh, Vladimir Putin. It was just absolutely robbed his own people blind um, he's not been some bulwark against the Asiatic hordes. He's turning his country into China's bitch. And that's the cold, hard truth about Vladimir Putin. Um, the sooner he goes, the better for everybody. Um, th- but there's going to be another transition period. It took, it took a couple of decades, a few decades for this evolution to happen in Taiwan and South Korea. Maybe Russia gets a head start because they tried it in the 90s. But uh, fingers crossed Let's just not us repeat the mistakes we made in the 90s in sending those advisors to Russia who didn't do much other than to teach the oligarchs how to rob the country blind.
0: Scott, I'm obviously a big student of history, and, and I've thought about this quite a bit. I, I am unaware of any war that, that comes. I can't think of one that you could define as one person's war more than than this one. Uh, there have been lots of unjustified invasions, lots and lots of aggression and so on. But usually these are things that have been coming for years and years and the groundwork is laid and the population is getting lathered up and behind it. This thing was just just one guy basically decided to do this. And 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 now everybody's paying for it. So what happens when that guy leaves Russia before the invasion of Ukraine? Russia was under uh, a series of of. Escalating um, sanctions. Uh, Vladimir Putin decided to go into Georgia. I want to say 2008. That put a bunch of sanctions on the Russian people, which destroyed things like Russian barber uh, beauty parlors and and nightclubs and and you know and art art studios. Didn't do anything for Putin and, and oil. And then uh, Russia invaded uh, Ukraine in 2013. I want to say, and then more sanctions. And then just the entire world sanctioning Russia now they basically cut it off from the rest of the planet my question for you is scott uh when vladimir leaves and and it's and it is he is removed right not that vladimir hands it off to somebody just like him, but if he if he is removed one way or another do we lift the sanctions do we do we do we tie the response of the West economically to Russia to the actions of the guy who genuinely seems to be the prime force behind all of this?
2: I'd say we trust but verify. Um, you know, <laughs> I t- give it a second, uh, see how things uh, come out. Uh, should Putin survive his his tenure here? Um, I think the first thing we ought to do is bring him over to the White House and award him with a U.S. Presidential Medal of Freedom uh, for having done more uh, to defeat the cause of dictatorship and autocracy around the world than any single leader uh, in, in recent memory, um, he has given such a, a bad name to, to autocrats that I think it's going to be tough for an autocrat to walk down the street and hold his head high anymore uh, because he's got to worry that his bodyguard's going to shoot him. Um, so this is – whether he's done this wittingly or not, um, maybe this is you know his, his death wish as he goes out with whatever disease has seized him, uh, but it just seems like every action and public appearance that he makes now, he is determined to tear down the very thing that he says he's fighting to sustain. Uh, Pull it down j- with him. exactly the opposite of what he wants. And uh when I look at the Russian people themselves, you know, any any people that can survive communism, well, some of them did. Uh dictatorship, kleptocracy, and still frankly have an okay space program. There aren't many countries in the world that have space programs to start with. It wasn't just them.
0: okay; it was it was spectacular. Yeah,
2: they had a really good space program. So good, in fact, that you know the same rockets that they were using basically in the nineteen sixties were taking people to the International Space Station afterward. Um, so. You know, you look at that kind of potential—the the engineering potential, the mathematical potential, the the, the ideas. Um, I read a book a while back about the uh, the stealth fighter, and some of the basic research that went into the development of the U.S. stealth fighter came from a Russian uh, aviation designer or engineer who who came up with these basic concepts of how to angle off the the uh, radar signals. Um, when you think of their natural resources, just as a as a Within the territory that, that Russia comprises. It's just amazing when you think of the intellectual heritage that they have in Russia and the, the the writers and the literature and the thought leaders and the, you know, just all despite these horrible times that they've been through for hundreds of years, basically, of you know, being plundered and invaded and then, then stomped by their own leaders. Um, all of that leads me to believe that if we could set up some sort of a halfway house, uh, to usher them from the prison of oppression and integrate them into the community of free peoples, that they have the basic ingredients to be a dynamic and free republic. And and God speed that.
0: Kind of the same way that East Germany was sort of brought into the fold, you know, just basically embraced and absorbed by uh, West Germany. Yeah. Um, I obviously have uh, some insights into what Russian daily life is is like uh, that I didn't have before I married a Russian woman who's now an American citizen. Um, so here's here's the one thing I think is 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 the real is the real block. They went from authoritarian communism to authoritarian thugocracy, which was essentially just the. the used to be the communists with guns, became the crooks with guns. The people who used to steal things through government action now stole them just through violence and intimidation. And when you get to Vladimir Putin, it's become institutionalized, kind of low-grade, bureaucratic kleptocracy. Just It's just stealing. Oil revenues come in, money goes down, favors come up, and so on. But the one thing that these three things have in common is the is the great enemy, I think, of, of Russia entering the community of nations and so that is this obsession with centralization moscow is the center of the universe and there is nothing else and all power radiates out from there and and, and this is this is ancient for russia and it might surprise a lot of people to fully realize that russia doesn't have an economy. This was the opposite pole for the entire Cold War. There were two superpowers. We were one, Russia was the other. Their economy is not in the top 10. It wouldn't be spreads, if they're not in the top 20. They don't have any industry. They have oil and gas, and that's all. Putin has actively suppressed economies and things like pick something you know there are no corner hardware stores in russia there are no there are no corner uh, small businesses of any kind because they can't be controlled everything has to be controlled from the center so if they can get over this centralization thing then then they're they're well on their way because they are in fact brilliant people but i think the second major problem with russia is is their absolutely inbred ongoing inferiority complex, which manifests itself as, okay, so it's us against the world again. So the world is united against us again. Well, then we'll just have to deal with it like we dealt with it when the Russians invaded, Napoleon invaded, and all the rest. It's it's, it's what drove the space program, and it's what drove the Soviets to make nuclear submarines that killed their crews and make, and make, uh, you know, uh, copies of, of U.S. aircraft that were powered by vacuum tubes and, and all the rest of it. So they've got some very, very big issues ahead of them. But the Russian people of, of 2022 are not the Russian people of 1991. Those people had just emerged from communism and total authoritarianism. The Russian people today, especially in Moscow, Moscow is a, is a startlingly modern city. It just nothing but... You know, I remember... As a kid growing up, you'd see pictures of, of 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 Moscow, and you'd say, look, there goes a car. Must be a Volga. Now the big problem in Moscow is, is four-hour traffic jams from top-level BMWs and 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 luxury cars. So the attitude of the Russians that I know, and I've gotten to know quite a few of them, has been one of absolute embarrassment, mortification, shame, disgust, disbelief at this. And despite the fact that Putin still has significant support because he can still jit up that old Russian, hey, they're all out to get us kind of thing. The Internet is going to disabuse them of that. Um, Ultimately, folks, we're we're approaching the point now where Russia is about to have suffered. I thought it was 30,000 killed. Steve said it's 30,000 casualties. In any event, horrendous losses. And you cannot cover that up. Those those people have to go back. Those families will know when somebody doesn't come home. And, a, and an army that is now widely uh, reported to be shooting its own wounded, that has no concern for its own wounded or dead on the battlefield, is is a is a country that is simply no longer willing to go out and do what the Tsar tells them to do and, and die for Mother Russia. So it's just three paths ahead of them. They can continue on the path they're on, which means they get another head oligarch, technocrat, kleptocrat or they go back to a world of even greater repression where you start to see much more of the security state reemerge or they go to a world where they begin to join the western uh, the, the the rest of the nations of the world i personally think from the russians i know that it will be the third option i personally think that vladimir putin is the last of the of the russian czars uh and and it doesn't ever get lost on me that vladimir putin mm-hmm. unlike virtually every other modern Russian uh, from the Northwest, was not born in St. Petersburg. Vladimir Putin was born in Leningrad. And there aren't any people left, hardly, who were born in Leningrad or Stalingrad. And that, I think, is gonna make a big difference. And if the guy who caused the war to go, goes, then I think we ought to consider the sanctions to be against Putin and not so much against the Russian people by and large, want nothing to do with this. For Steve Green and Scott Out, I'm Bill Woodall. That's your Right Angle. We'll see you next week right here.